created to have some fun together sharing and singing. So join and enjoy. Our love for opera brings us together. Thanks for being with us in this trip. Hello, hi everybody. I would like to welcome you to our biochemistry class. Please. I just noticed that I was in mute so <laughs> last 10 seconds. No one could hear anything. So I was just telling that. Thank you very much, Katia. We have just opened today biochemistry class with a very nice interpretation of Seven Crudele, uh, one, also one of the most beautiful pieces of music that, what, uh, that has been written in the history of music. And uh, you may have noticed that I have shared with you on the screen a couple of the exercises on this uh, biochemistry class, which I want to say now that I am kidding, it is not biochemistry, it is something even more <laughs> difficult than that. Uh, we are about to talk uh, something that I would also like to call the multiverse of singing. Now that everything is a multi multiverse, thanks to Marvel Studios. Now uh, we have a multiverse <laughs> where we're singers and you, all, you are about to realize about it. Singers like, or people in music like to use words that refer to a world that can be hardly described. 
So we will talk about the voice in terms of something like looks like food when we will talk about the pasta. We will talk about singing in terms that looks more like the singing of a, of a bird when we will talk about the trino. And <laughs> we will talk about the sound of a campanella, of a bell, when, I, uh, when we talk about the squillo. But we will get there. Just, just wait. So that, that, uh, I wanted to give this uh, somehow an introduction because it is true that many singers like to talk in using these words like uh, only for other singers or people specialized in music can understand. And you will soon realize that they are very difficult to explain. So thanks to the voice of Katya, we will provide you uh, audio <laughs> examples of what we are trying to explain. Uh, and for that, and you know that I like anecdotes a lot. Uh, I am going to start uh, this uh, presentation with an anecdote. Uh, I had a very, I think one of the most interesting conversations that I have had with another singer. He was a tenor um, at the Palacio de Bellas Artes, and I had the chance of talking, having a, 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 a very nice coffee and a very good conversation with him. And he was telling me that he was tired of many things, of which I am going to take only one for this anecdote, because there are many that are worth keeping for other programs. But the, one of the things he, that he shared me is that he was tired of having, uh, having had uh, music singing teachers who told him, no, this note, and I am going to use the word uh, in Spanish, is redonda. La voz se tiene que escuchar redonda, uh, which redonda means in English round. So he told me, and how does she know that I understand what is a rounded voice? For me, rounded means absolutely nothing because maybe, and when she explains me, for me, that means green. And when she says that it has to be seco, I, for me, it means something different. So the, the use of all these words make, make us think of many things uh, and most of the times not about singing itself. But sometimes it can be funny. So why, why don't we start with that one that when I was thinking on how to explain the pasta, the only thing I could <laughs> think of was of pizza. <laughs> and, may, and maybe some of you may realize about that. And when we talk about this very famous pasta, which I am putting now on the screen, when we talk about the pasta of a voice, there is no easy way to explain it. Because if you don't have a refined ear, or you don't pay that, pay that, much, that much attention, you may think that pasta refers to the volume, or how tough, or how big the voice is, and that is not what we are talking about when we say that a voice has pasta, it, ha it has this certain, and I am going to confuse you a little more because the voice has texture. <laughs> How do you explain that a voice has texture? But a voice that has a given texture or even more complicated, a given body, that when you say, ah, the voice of Renata Scotto has a lot of pasta, like it has a lot of body, like it has a lot of texture. But when you talk of a voice like Natalie Desé, you say Natalie Desé does not have much pasta in her <laughs> voice. <laughs> so that, that may, and some people say, okay, give me another example. Juan Diego Flores, is Juan, or am I, I am adding another name. Well, the, the Peruvian uh, tenor, his voice is very white. His voice does not have much pasta, to be sincere. If you listen to Mario del Monaco, that is huge pasta. His, the, the, voice, uh, the, the voice he has is just enormous. So this term pasta use, is used a lot 
to pro to try to provide an explanation of what the voice of a singer actually has or does have not. The interesting part here is that you may realize when you listen to a given singer that he may play with his pasta or take out all of the pasta. And that now I am going to make to refer to the very, very famous uh, Pianissimi by Montserrat Caballé. Because I recall her in an interview, she was explaining because the, the interviewer asked her, so how is it that you managed, managed this magnificent uh, Pianissimi? And she said, it is very simple. You use or you, you, you have the same technique as when you are going to feel uh, to sing something full voice. The only thing that you take away is the pasta. <laughs> so I hope you understood. But that's the explanation Montserrat Caballé uh, provides for, the, for singing a pianissimi. Full voice, but take out all, all the body of the voice. And that turns out to be a pianissimi. So this pasta, sometimes I will provide you with an example at the end of today's program on how singers, when they know how to manage that pasta of the natural texture uh, of their voice can give uh, a different, uh, uh, can help in providing uh, much more sense to the interpretation. Sometimes you may feel like the singer is uh, using his voice like it was lighter than it, than it actually is. That means that your singer is taking out all the pasta. And then you listen to his voice again, complete, then he's bringing the pasta back. More or less complicated to explain, much more complicated to sing. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will not be providing an example of that because now I would like to jump to another word. Well, I hope that term of pasta was not that complicated. And uh, let's jump for the second term that I would like to share with you, which is the fiato. And now the fiato, that of course it's, it's again in Italian. Uh, now it has to do with the breath. And uh, a lesson in breathing for a singer could take not even days, not even weeks, but months or maybe years, <laughs> right? Because when <laughs> you say that you're teaching a singer how to, how to sing, the easiest way to do it is when you think of a very long note. Because we have mentioned in the past that people like listening to long notes by the singer. To, to know that their preferred singer is powerful, so they like to listen to long notes. You may recall uh, Conte Partiro, which uh, Andrea Bocelli and Sarah Brightman made very famous almost 20 years ago, if I remember well, oh around. God. Yeah, we are not that young. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> maybe nobody knows what the, what the whole tune of the song is about, but everybody remembers that there is a long note at the end, right? I'm not sure, right? If you, I think the, the last expression is conte or something like that. Yeah, it's conte, right? Conte. Yeah, and so, because people like to see it as, a, a, as an example of power. But I, I was also sharing with Katia prior to this program that, in fact, the fiato is not only for keeping the high notes. In the case of hers, as she does, lot, she does lots of coloratura, she needs 
a perfect breathing machine, <laughs> which is <laughs> her <laughs> diaphragm and lungs, because she really knows that after playing with her voice, a, a microsecond of breathing, and then <laughs> why don't you share us a little about uh, how uh, the coloraturas and the fiat are closely related? <laughs> okay. So you may have realized that she had a breath almost imperceptible to most of mortals, but there is a very simple reason. We are humans and we need to breathe. <laughs> you need air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is some, something that we have uh, mentioned in the past. Composers are not very aware of, but the singers that they are writing for are actually humans. So they need to take breath somewhere. <laughs> so the singer may decide where he still a small piece of, uh, of the music there, just to take a quick breath and continue. So it may be at the end of a phrase or at the beginning of another, maybe try to slow down, breathe, and immediately follows. And he says, oh, here there is an attack, so I can make a pause, so there is a variation. And you always look for ways to breathe because the composer it's never- It's a kind of puzzle. Does, <laughs> yeah, never, never, gives, uh, never makes that favor to you. And sometimes you are, you are singing out very loud, and the music just doesn't stop, so you need to say, where am I going to breathe? <laughs> and for a singer, it is very important, and singers, when they have a very good control of their fiato, they pass this sense of, I would say, calmness to the public, because they know that the singer will go on with the music, even if there are long phrases, even if it is too fast, even if it's too loud, the singer will always know where to take breath opposite, and I was also sharing with Katia prior to this program, uh, and please forgive me, you are one of those singers, but I really don't like, personally, I don't like, I don't like it when singers like to keep the final note for long, and end up like, <gasps> uh, let's, let's take the, instead of ceasing the note correctly, like that, you just stop their breath. They go, they go like something like that, like making. I I really don't know how how, how even how to explain it, but I think that it is because they have gone well beyond what their actual resources can actually do. So very stop one time before before you run out of breath. In in uh, instead of giving that sensation of. The singer almost suffocated on the stage, but he achieved another <laughs> another second of that note. So a nice, beautiful note will always be appreciated by the public. But now it is also time to talk about uh, Katia's expertise. And I was mentioning you before <laughs> that now we will talk about the voice in terms of a verse, because the trino, which in English is called a trill, in fact, makes reference to the to those beautiful singing birds, and that's where the soprano said, "Hey, I can do something about it." <laughs> why, why don't you, <laughs> why, you? You had explained us in these previous programs uh, a little about what a trine is. Why, why don't you share another quick explanation on what what is a trino? If the technique if the technique is actually hard, difficult. Well. Uh... 
since my point of view, it depends, it's an ornament that depends on the agility and uh, on how light a voice is. Um, I think that a light and a high voice can sound like a, like a bird, just like you just mentioned. Uh, it's the execution, the rapid execution of two notes and both of them must be heard, must be clear. Because when we talk, sorry, when we talk about vibrato, it's just a note that vibrates. And it's vibrating, but it's a single note. In the case of a trill, a trino, you must notice the bulk of the notes that I'm singing. And also, I think that it is important to mention that we have, or uh, uh, once uh, as mostly sopranos sing these trills, these trinos, some male voices. Not all of them. I will talk a little about, about more uh, in a couple of minutes. But I wanted to mention that, that once a soprano uh, has or uh, really works well with these trinos, you you don't you don't go immediately for for the for the two notes uh, between each other. But you sometimes take one, make keep that for a little longer, and then go. To the vibration between the two notes because that is more effective. Like you just did it like oh you don't go oh immediately you go oh <laughs> sometimes you go high, but there are singers that take it from the lower note and then keep keep it for a sec and then go to the to singing both, yes. right? It has to do with the period of the piece we are working on. It has to do with the style. Um, like we just saw in our image a few minutes ago when we started with the chemistry class. Uh, well, ornaments and music um, has experienced changes at long of time. So in Baroque period, for example, um, Trinos were understood in a very different way. Uh, I was preparing um, Persephone and Silvia from Orfeo by Monteverdi. And some trinos were have to be executed as ah, the same note. You start in a slow time. Ah, and it increases like you yeah, like you just say you can attack your trino from above ah, from the lower note ah, and I think that um, as music allows you to you have to prepare it announcing the both notes you're gonna sing because um i feel you can 
prepared yourself, but you can't prepare your public on what you're gonna do. Yeah, and I have to, to say that you forgot to mention another of the considerations for these trinos, the singer's ego. The singer may choose to do it one way or another or keep it for longer than necessary just because she knows that her trinos, her trills are great, right? <laughs> Let's just be because sincere. we can. Just because we can, right. That's the truth of it. <laughs> and I wanted to mention about the, the, I was saying, and as Katia also stated uh, very correctly, it is usually mostly heard uh, what we call white voices. Most of them... Uh, female voices, so there are also white voices, and of course, voices do not have a color because don't, sound doesn't have a color. <laughs> Please forgive singers for that, but that's <laughs> that's what it's usually called. So a white voice like uh, Flores' voice, which is very white, he he can easily uh, sing a crino, but for a voice like Corelli's, that huge voice, by the way, he could sing trinos, but of course, with that immense a voice that he has, it doesn't sound as clear and as nice as it does with a white female voice. But we were also mentioning, uh, Katia, when we were preparing this, that please, singers, do not take it as, a, as an excuse for not working on your coloratura. You, all, uh, because I I'm sure you have met many singers that say, I am a lyrical soprano, I am a lyrical tenor, I don't need to work on a trill, why should I work on coloraturas? You have to do it, basically, because you need to know how to do it. It doesn't mean that you will uh, have a performance singing the Conte Almaviva <laughs> on the stage, maybe you will never do. <laughs> but when you find a score that has uh, a difficult passage a difficult jump between two notes you will be attacking it very easily because now you are used to do that because the coloratura has told you so would you like to add something to that yes um for example in vivid zoom from Stabat mater by pergolesi there is a passaggio where you have to say and you're not making a virtuosistic aria by Mozart, but you have to be prepared by style to be able to sing a trilo. Uh, I, I understand some ornaments and some skills as making exercise. You don't go to the gym and work arm only and exclusively because <laughs> I don't know. You must train your arms, your shoulder, your back, your legs. So it's part of your voice, it's part of singing. So it's necessary to train as much as possible any kind of ornament. Yes, and to continue talking about ornaments now let's talk about the mordente which is a very funny word if you if you happen to know that mordente in spanish has to do with actually biting so morder so how did we end up using a word of someone is using his mouth <laughs> to eat or to choose something <laughs> into a an ornament uh, sung by singers uh, don't ask me how we in the, I, 
maybe somebody heard the, the, the quality of the sound and said, oh, it's like if somebody was eating something. I really don't know how we ended up using mordente, but, but why don't you share us a little about these mordentes? What are those? And maybe if you have an example, it would be much better. <laughs> uh, well, um, for me, it's just uh, to think about a, a main note that moves fast to a higher or a lower note and returns. It changed by periods too, but this is the way we understand Mordente nowadays. And that is a very useful and a very nice ornament to give a variety or to give a, to work on the impression or, or the emphasis of a given word or syllable. And it is also, I think, a very, it can be a very delicate ornament that also we have no excuse to, if, if, if our voice is not white and of a female, uh, you still can work on trying to, uh, to do some of these effects on the voice because otherwise your singing always sounds plain you know yeah. yeah like that like you you end up being a singer with very little artifacts or your arsenal as i call it you have so very few artifacts in your hands that after two or three times that someone has heard you sing they have heard it all yeah and i think that something to 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 consider is that you can always uh, make it part of, of your voice, uh, thinking of your of your skills as as how fast can you do it, and don't pressure yourself. You can start um, in, in in a very slow um, velocity, like like we were talking about the trainer we can apply it to the mordente too. Feel uh, comfortable with your work and then you can increase your speed. We're posting more content in our profile in coffee. You can find us there as Oprah will love singing. All in one word. So go to coffee. K as in key, O as in opera, dash, F as in food, and I as in ice. We love to see you there.